This is the Why We Travel podcast, the podcast dedicated to those who want to explore the world on their terms. Each week, you'll hear from amazing travelers and experts sharing their best travel stories from the road. Listen to their unique travel experiences and get insider tips about their favorite destinations. Whether you're an experienced world nomad or just getting started, this podcast will inspire you, improve your travel skills, change the way you travel, and motivate you to get out and see the world. Discover the art of independent travel and meet fellow travelers in our online community. Now, let's get into it with your host and world traveler, Claus Louder. Welcome to the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Why We Travel podcast. Today we want to find out how you can save money and elongate your travels by traveling slowly. Now, I'm a slow mat myself and other people are finding out that this is actually a very good way to travel around the world. So with me on the show today, I have Sarah and Ryan. They're traveling for quite some time and they're also slow mats and we want to dive into this right now. So let's welcome them to the show. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Ryan. How are you today? Hey, Klaus. Happy to be here. Hi, it's here for me. Nice to meet you. So I've never heard the term slow mad before. Yeah, right. I think I'm use it from now on. <laughs> yeah, it's called slow nomading. So slow mad in short form. And I think that's the best way to describe what we're doing. So give me a bit of a background before we get started. How, how did you become digital nomads? What was the decision making process there? And since when are you on the road? So it was separate for both of us. So if I start and then you can go through your own experience. But at the end of 2018, I decided to pack up from the UK and I went to Australia on a working holiday visa. And I had a really great time. I was there right up until March 2020 and I went back to the UK because of the whole pandemic thing. And I spent about a year and a half in the UK working in a few different jobs. I just wanted to be back on the road. I wanted to be free. I knew people were making money online and traveling while doing it. Then I thought, right, this is for me. At this point, I'd already been building up my skills in photography. And then while I was in the UK, I started learning videography as well. So in November 2021, I decided to leave to go to Bali, which a lot of people that are aspiring nomads decide to do. It was good for me. It's not always good for some people, but I ended up being pretty lucky with the networking that I managed to achieve while I was in Bali. Um, And through that time, I sort of continued to build up my skills. And then eventually at the beginning of, or at the end of last year, at the end of 2022, I went freelance and I went completely on my own, started building my own clients. And since January, 2023, we've been traveling together. Well, we met in June, 2022, but I'll let Sarah explain that. But yeah, since January, 2023, we've been on the road traveling slowly. Yeah. For me, uh, it's a little bit different. It goes back to 2017, and I had no idea what a digital nomad was. The only things I knew is that I was really sick with my office work back at home in Switzerland. And uh, I just decided one day to be like, okay, I want to quit everything, bye, see you. And I took a one-way flight to India, where I started my backpacking journey at the time, and which brought me through, I think, around 11, 30 different countries around the uh, South Asia and Southeast Asia, where I found a lot of digital nomads. And there I started to realize that, oh my God, there is not only the option to actually work in an office, but I still can work whatever I want to be with just my own laptop. While I was traveling, I started to understand uh, better what skills I could build based on what I like. And I started to approach the world of social media in terms of social media managing, And then from in 2019, I flew back to Europe for a couple of years. 
I was a little bit confused about what I actually want to do because it seems that everybody can be like, oh, I want to become a digital nomad and that's a straight path. I'm just going to go through there. For me, it was a little bit like, oh, I would like to reach that point, but I don't really know how to. So I was like jumping, trying to find my own way. And this brought me back to Europe where I worked for a couple of years during the pandemic. So I was able to have a job which was remote at home, but still brought me to work from Germany at the time. I decided to move back in uh, Germany. So it was still remote, but not completely fully remote because I cannot really travel while doing it. I can be everywhere in Germany, but not everywhere in the world, which was my goal. In 2021, then I decided to fly to Bali because it was the last place I was uh, during my backpacker journey. And I was like, okay, let's go back from where I finished and try to start over again. And then I met a lot of people, a lot of great connections that really inspired me to understand better where I can move to become a full-time digital nomad. And as same as Ryan, I was uh, able to land some great network with people. So I lent my first clients and like this was like a ball rolling. And then in 2022, June, I met Ryan and things were going well for both of us. We were living then together in Bali for another six months. And then in January 2023, yeah. I think we decided we are not over with Bali, but we are ready to start to travel full-time again, kind of. And from there, we decide to travel different countries Southeast Asia. Now we are in South America and the rest. We did a stint in Europe as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, moving around. Mm -hmm. I think that's a bit of a common denominator for a lot of people. They start with backpacking. Um, they see there is a potential of having a life abroad from they're coming from. They don't want to stop traveling. But obviously, being a backpacker, being in South America, for instance, on the Greenwood Trail or in Southeast Asia and just moving forward like every week can be very tiring, exhausting. And obviously, it's very difficult to focus on creating a business, on maintaining a job and so on and so forth. So what was the transition process for you from your mindset? It's like, yeah, we're, we're backpackers into, oh, no, we're digital nomads. We're working. What was the process? I think it started when we were in Bali. We were in Bali for a long time. We were both there. We both just coincidentally moved there at the same in, in the same month, within the same the week. few days or something like that. So it started there, obviously, and then we started to build up our networking and our resources for becoming a digital nomad. But when we left in January 2023, we already had ongoing clients. We had regular work. We went to Thailand and originally we were like, we, we never wanted to travel as fast as we did when we were backpacking, that's for sure. But we were like, right, we still need to maintain our work. We need to keep our clients happy, but also we want to be able to explore. So for the first sort of month in Thailand, we decided to actually move every week. But we quickly realized that even this was going to be too fast for us. We were finding that we were spending five days inside working and then two days max outside exploring. And we felt like we were just rushing the area. So at one point in February, when we got to Chiang Mai, we were like, right, let's just book for the month. We did that. And during that month, we managed to explore a lot of the surrounding areas. We went up to Chiang Rai and a few of the other places. And we realized that this is probably the right speed. And we've been doing that ever since. So we've, ever since then, we've been staying in places for a month at a time. There's multiple benefits to that. We pick a place that we want to go. We usually try to make sure it has decent Wi-Fi or know it's going to have good internet connection. And we stay for the month. And since then, we've been really feel like we've been really experiencing the area that we've been staying in. And we have much more opportunity to explore whilst also still being able to upkeep our work. And I will add as well that I think that we can't even afford to be like 
backpackers anymore right now because we don't have, let's say, the luxury to stay in a hostel, like party hostel, where a lot of uh, maybe younger people are, where there are a lot of party. We still need quiet place with a good Wi-Fi. We don't want to have noise when we have call with our clients. So I think uh, we transition without really thinking about it. We simply understand which are our needs in becoming digital nomads and which responsibility we have. So I think it was a very normal transition. transition yeah. <laughs> Okay, let's talk a little bit about the advantages being a slow nomad. You said obviously you have a bit of more of a structure in your day. How do you schedule your your days or your weeks? Because obviously you want to see also something of the place you're in, or not only working. How do you work with that? So this is really depends from place to place, I think, because basically we know that we want to stay in one place for at least one month. We have different type of working schedule. For example, maybe Ryan works more on project base. I work more on hourly. So we have to try to also manage a lot of our times. What we do is that before arriving in one place, we already decided which type of activity we want to do. And we start to understand where in which day we can put these activities. So we already have kind of general plan what we want to do and the rest of the time we can work. We've developed sort of a pretty good routine with waking up early in the morning, getting up, doing some work. Then we always try to make sure if, we, if we're not on an exploring day or if we're not particularly busy, we always try to go to the gym and make time for our physical health because a lot of people tend to sort of put that to the side sometimes. It's hard to, especially for us at the beginning as well, when we were back in Thailand, we didn't really try to implement that into our routine until about April. But we always found that when you're a digital nomad, you're constantly sitting inside somewhere it might be in a cafe, it might be in a co-work space, or for us, quite often, it's, it's at home. You don't realize sometimes that you're neglecting your physical health as well. So yeah, and we also try to organize the trips, like Sarah says, in advance before we come. But we also try to put them on weekdays, because, just because we can, to try and avoid sort of the weekend crowds of the domestic tourists as well and stuff like that. We've, over the last sort of three months especially, I think we've developed a, a very sort of productive routine that really helps us balance. Like Sarah said, hers is hourly, so she has something that she needs to deliver at the end of every week. I'm a video editor, so mine's are more projects. So I sort of just, you know, I get my projects in and then I usually deliver them within a week as well. But mine's a little bit more predictable. You have daily tasks that you need to do, whereas mine, I can sort of say, all right, this project needs to be done within the next week, but I can sort of put it off for a couple of days if I need to go explore or I can just sit down and get it done like, for example, if it has to be done in a week, I can get it done within two days. And then I know that I have the next five days that I don't have to do that project sort of thing. Yeah. But it's definitely been a journey to figure out how to balance sort of work and play as well. I think we got there. Mm -hmm. Diving into the place you are, into culture, into your environment, surroundings and so on. So obviously being a backpacker. There's entertaining more than enough. You said you're on party hostels, you're meeting people all the time. If you're in your own place and you're focusing around work, it can be sometimes a little bit lonely for a lot of people out there. And they basically just in another place doing the same thing, but not really getting in touch with the people that are living in the place and getting the experience of culture. What do you do to make sure that you get all of this in? We try to put aside time to go out and meet people. Just for example, last month we were in Lima in Peru. And we hadn't tried a pisco salad before, which, as you probably know, is is very cultural here in Peru. So we went out and had a couple of them, and then we ended up just chatting to the table next to us, which were a group of Peruvians, and we joined them for the night. That was fun. 
this month has been very handy for us. We actually, we're staying in an Airbnb at the moment, which is a bit of a duplex, but it's within a family house sort of thing. So we actually spent Christmas with the family here, and I think we're going to spend New Year's with them as well, which is pretty cool. But it is one thing that we definitely struggle with, I think, is not the loneliness because we have each other, but we have the social life is difficult because, as you mentioned, it's hard to get out and meet people when you need to sit inside and work. Sometimes we sign up to co-work spaces like we did last month and we'll chat to a few people there. There's plenty of obviously Facebook groups that you can join that they sort of arrange meetups and stuff. But I don't know if we've actually ever done. I think that we struggle with the fact that even though we travel slow, we still stay in one place for one month. And we are so busy during that month that I think I feel that meeting someone is like the last thing that I'm going to think about it. Because Ariane said we have each other and uh, we love partying and we love to talk to new people. But I think it's not something we necessarily looking for. I mean, we look forward, but it's, let's say, the last things that we have to think about it right now. But another way is that right now we are in South America and is where we know less people, let's say. So we try to, in this case, this month we are staying together with this family, which is amazing. But when we were in Southeast Asia, we have more friends based a little bit all around. So it's also easier for us, let's say, oh, let's meet uh, someone in Kuala Lumpur because we know that someone is going to stay there. If we're if we're going to go back to Bali, we know that there are people that we can hang out with. I also think it helps that we're both very present on social media and we have been for a long time and we have a lot of, like I built my social media on travel photography and I met a lot of travel photographers through Instagram. So there are people around the world that we know have the same interests as us that we can meet up with. I mean, South America is very sparse for that, I think. I don't know anyone yeah. actually in South America at the moment. No, me neither. But I think, as you said, like, like for instance, Facebook expat group will probably be the best way to find new people. The fact is that we are in them, but we don't use it for that purpose. But if someone is new into this world, let's say someone with everything to move to the other side of the world to start a nomad career, I think that expat group are probably one of the best way. Sometimes, for instance, in Bali, there was this Bumble best friends. So basically, oh, Bumble, Bumble. dating app, but it has the best friends option. I think Tinder has that as well. Yeah. Yeah. These are also a great way to meet people. And usually, you know, in this platform, you also find many people that are in the same shoes as you. So maybe they feel lonely as well. And I think it's the best way to meet. But as well, social media, like really social media, I think is the, one of the best ways to find people from around the world. So I think the internet is your place. <laughs> Definitely, as a digital nomad, everything is digital there. But let's talk about a little bit on how to get started. And the biggest fears of people is obviously, how can I make money? That's the one. So what do you think is the minimum amount of money that you need to make per month to maintain this kind of lifestyle? And a lot of people might have fears is like, how can I find accommodation? How do I get from A to B? Is the place safe? And so on and so forth. How do you approach all of these different topics? Uh, so we do all of our research in advance for all of these. So the biggest thing that we always preach to people who ask us, how do I become a digital nomad as well, is you you need to have a skill. You need to have something that's marketable to other people. You need to have an unfair advantage that other people don't have that they want to then hire you for, for the most part. I mean, you can always try and find work as an online customer service chat bot agent person, or you can teach English online or something like that, but they're not sustainable over the long term. In terms of amount of money, it obviously does depend on where where you are. 
we always would recommend to people to go to Southeast Asia or now possibly South America now that we've been here and experienced it ourselves. And you could easily live off a thousand to one thousand five hundred dollars a month. I mean, that's our budget actually. Amongst there, we try to budget about one thousand two hundred dollars a month. So you can even do less if you are happy to stay in hostels. If you are happy to eat local food all the time rather than you know the Western food. So yeah, we budget about twelve hundred. How do we approach、um, finding accommodation, getting information about the location, and so on? I think that's mainly on internet. Like for accommodation, we always relate to Airbnb. That so far we found great for finding long term accommodation. Also because, again, like we have a budget, so、uh, staying one place for one month through Airbnb give us big discount, like between twenty and forty percent discounts compared if we would book for only two weeks. Let's say there would be no discount. So that's also a great way for us to budget, and it's something that we'll definitely recommend.、And、another benefit of slow travel. Exactly. Exactly. And Southeast Asia is a great place also to start out because you don't need tons of money. I mean, it's very personal actually the way you the amount of money you want to start to travel to. I think it's like based on what you, make you feel safe. Personally, I always said to myself、uh, before I start to traveling, I need to have at least ten thousand euro to start to travel. And once I reach that level, I can just quit and it's fine. Like. I don't want to have a plan B because I know if I will have a plan B, I will fall back, <laughs> which is not the best advice, maybe. But for me, it works, and I don't know. Like I, I feel that that was a, a great way to push me to keep going forward towards a digital nomad lifestyle. And then for researching the place, we try to pick places that we know are going to be suitable for digital nomads. Anyway, at this point, we don't try to choose locations or cities that don't have a particularly large digital nomad presence, because we know if there is already going to be a digital nomad presence, we know there's going to be good Wi-Fi, we know there's going to be accommodation available, we know there's going to be good food options around, we know there's going to be co-work spaces if we need them, or or a gym or whatnot. So we pick them, and then we usually Google before we book our Airbnb. We usually Google the like best neighborhood in X Y Z for digital nomads, and we'll sort of compare what we find on blogs on the internet, and then we'll just sort of pick and go from there. They tend to be the more expensive neighborhoods, but they also tend to be the safer neighborhoods as well. So that's sort of like two birds in one stone in trying to figure out sort of where to go and also where's safe and where's not safe. And then we use that location as a base for the month, and then we do our sort of weekend trips or day trips from there, or exploring the local area. So that's sort of like our process of trying to find accommodation and where we would go. Yeah, maybe at first you may think, "Oh my god, I have to find a place and stay for one month there. What if it's not a perfect place? What if I arrive there and I don't like it?" The thing is that one month flies so fast. <laughs> you arrive there, you unpack, and one month goes away like this, and you have to pack again, and we're like, "Oh." Where this month has gone? <laughs> yeah, what's the worst thing that can happen? Exactly. I understand you trying to help other people that are want to get into the digital nomad lifestyle with your YouTube channel and other ways. Tell me a little bit about it. So I have a YouTube channel where yeah, I try when we go to a digital nomad place and like to make a video about it, like how is the digital nomad life there. I have some more maybe educational content where I talk about、uh, how you can start.、Uh, there is not a straight line for everyone because at the end of the day. It narrowed down still about finding a job, and we all know that it's not like the easiest things in in life. But I, I feel that having someone to talk to about how to start out, because sometimes people that want to start a digital nomad life are struggling in the current life. Maybe they are unhappy, and usually in the environment they are is an environment that where people are like 
why do you want to travel the world? That's a little bit like, are you not happy with what you have right now? But we don't all have the same dream. So I was in that position. And uh, if I can give some support to someone by kind of showing them a way to become a nomad, that's why I try to do it in my YouTube channel. Sort of teach people. Yeah. Like, how to become digital nomads and sort of help them along the right path. Yeah. I can't help them find a job. That's that's up to them. But like if you can show them a way, you know, to, that, that this is actually possible. There are people out there that do it. They are outside. There are so many digital nomad visa that they can take. Like since the pandemic, these things explode. There are a lot of places you can move to and start your remote career there. So there is a way. That's the main thing. Yeah, very true. Before we come to the end of our chat today, is there one final thought that you want to leave our listeners with? Besides just making sure you have a skill or building a skill to become a digital nomad, I think the biggest thing is just to do it. I think it's just to leave. A lot of people, they put it off. They'll say, oh, I don't have enough money right now to go and do it. Or this is coming up, so I can't leave. Or the world is in a weird state, so I'm not, I can't go at the moment. But you got to put all of those sort of thoughts aside and just up and go if you haven't got a job then save up like sarah says maybe ten thousand euros or dollars or whatever you're working but honestly i don't think even you even need that much i think i left Bavali with three thousand pounds in the bank account and a dream sort of like one of those if you really want it to happen you'll make it happen one way or another you'll make it happen so if this digital nomad life is the life that you really want to lead then stop hesitating and just sell everything and go, like Sarah says, without a plan B. And if you don't have a plan B, then plan A has to work. Yeah, I agree with Ryan. I feel that if you want to do something in life, you should go for it. I know that it seems very, you know, like those type of inspirational type of quotes, but honestly, that's all it is. Like if you have a dream, just go for it. It's gonna, if it's not gonna work out, it's because maybe you have to try to change the direction. But if you are sitting at home and every time something goes wrong, you you dream about uh, traveling the world and working remotely, like don't wait to every time feel bad to try to think about it. Think about it also when you are feeling good because you can use that as trigger to actually become a digital nomad and travel the world full time. True words, yeah. Where can people find out more about you guys and get in touch with you? So we've just started a new brand called Across Every Border, and we are Across Every Border on YouTube, on TikTok, on uh, Instagram, our website, and on Pinterest. I also have a an Instagram under my own name, Ryan Lee Banks, but I'm not very active on there anymore, but you're still active on, on your one. Yeah, I have Instagram and YouTube where I talk about Digital Nomad, and the handle is Joyo Shapes, and you can find me there. I will put the links in the show notes here, just one click away. Brian, Sarah, thanks so much for your time today to give us an insight on your slow travels around the world. I wish you all the best on future travels and hope to chat to you soon. Thanks so much. Thank Happy to be so here. Much. Have a lovely day. Hey, Klaus here. Before you leave, I have a question. Are you a traveler? Do you have a favorite travel destination or a favorite travel experiences that you would like to share with the world? Then become a guest on the Why We Travel podcast. Simply message me and I will get you all the details for becoming an interview guest and then we take it from there. That's it for now. I'll see you in the next episode and have a great day.